Hello everyone, you're listening to The 10th Inning here with Nick O'Dwyer. In today's episode, we have Week 11 of the NFL in the books now. Ended with the Monday night game last night between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Los Angeles Chargers. On the very last possession, Phillip Rivers marching the Chargers down the field, trying to get that win over division rival Kansas City, ended up throwing an interception on that last possession. Chiefs get the win. Chiefs move to 7-4 and four and further their spot as the division frontrunner. So, Week 11 in the NFL is over. In this episode, I just want to give a quick recap of the games from Week 11 and talk about how the playoffs currently sit in both the AFC and the NFC. So let's get this started off with the Thursday night game between the Browns and the Steelers. Now, Browns-Steelers, if you didn't watch this matchup, wasn't hugely important that you saw it. There was really only one key story from this game, and even if you didn't watch this game, I'm sure you have heard the key story by now. It was the incident with the helmet, Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph goes to throw it, gets hit by Garrett, clean hit by the way, and then Garrett, about two or three, maybe even four or five seconds after he released the ball, then took down Rudolph, which made Rudolph upset. And Rudolph was going for Garrett's helmet, trying to take it off. And Garrett, being the man and size he is, was like, no, you can't do that to me. Got up, immediately went back, grabbed Rudolph's face mask, and was like, yeah, you're coming with me, boy. Took it off. David DeCastro then de-escalated the situation, moved Miles Garrett away. But that, that wasn't enough for Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph went back, in my opinion, trying to get his helmet back because, hey, the man has your helmet. But then it didn't seem like that was the reason, according to Miles Garrett, why he went back. So he swung. And for everyone saying, well, there were already two Steelers players over there, that's just a straight lie. Marquise Pouncey was behind Mason Rudolph the whole time. He was following Mason Rudolph to Garrett. So no, just David DeCastro was following him. Now, so Garrett hits him in the head with the helmet. So then after that, DeCastro kind of gets him to the ground saying, no, you can't do that to my guy. Then Marquise Pouncey comes in, starts throwing punches, and starts to kick at Miles Garrett. Then we have Larry Ogunjobi, defensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns. When all of that's going on, he just comes up and blindsides Mason Rudolph, who doesn't have a helmet at this point, pushes him on the ground, and... All those players were ejected except for Mason Rudolph. It was fair to think that suspensions were coming. And here we have it. Suspensions have come. What we have right now, currently, I know at least Miles Garrett is appealing his suspension. We have Miles Garrett will be indefinitely suspended for his actions on Thursday night. Marquise Pouncey is suspended for three games for his actions. And then Larry Ogendroby will be suspended for one game. Now, my thoughts on this, Garrett definitely deserves to be suspended that amount of time. So does Pouncey. So does Ogendroby. But why are we letting Mason Rudolph get off scot-free? Mason Rudolph was, maybe he wasn't the one who initiated it. We all have different thoughts on that. But he definitely was involved in some way. He wasn't innocent. That's obvious. If you look at it and say he's innocent, well, I don't know what you're looking at. But at the same time, if you look at it and say Miles Garrett was justified for what he did, again, I don't know what you're looking at. No one was right in this situation, and the lead should take some sort of 
decision-making in this because neither of these players were right. These players deserve to be suspended for what they're doing. Mason Rudolph, no doubt, will get fined, but he deserves much more than a fine. He deserves to be suspended, at least for one game, because, again, he didn't swing his helmet and hit a guy. He got hit by a helmet, but he wasn't innocent in this, and... That's the thing. I feel like people are just picking sides on this. They're saying, oh, well, Miles Garrett was wrong or Mason Rudolph was wrong. But no, both players were wrong. Look at it from that perspective. Both players were wrong, and the NFL has to do something to say, okay, we know both players were wrong. How are we going to fix it? So, as of right now, those three players are suspended. No one else. But it's a bad look for both teams. The Browns end up getting the win. The Browns now move to 4-6 and six on the season in what could have been a season-changing win, possibly could elevate them to the playoffs, turns out to be one of the biggest disasters of the season. As fans against Cleveland say, even when Cleveland wins, they lose. That's what happened this week. Browns get the win on the field, but they lost their best defensive player, probably for the rest of the season, so they get a loss in reality. So that's the Thursday night game. No other game this week would have that much drama, and rightfully so, because that was just ridiculous. But now we get into the Sunday matchups. First, we have the Cowboys and the Lions. The Cowboys got the win over the Lions. Hard-fought victory over the Detroit Lions, 35-27. Cowboys now sit at 6-4 and in the NFC East. They have sole possession of first place. Dak Prescott, back to what he was doing the first four weeks of this season, looking like he needs that contract over this offseason. 29 for 46, 444 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, Prescott did everything you want of him in this game. He let he led his team to victory this game. Now, Zeke held out for a big contract this season, and yeah, in a couple games, Zeke has played very well, but this game was not one of them. Zeke looked pedestrian in this game. He looked like any other running back in this game. Nothing special whatsoever. Dak Prescott had to do what he had to do, and he came through. Dak Prescott got the Cowboys the win over the Lions. Cowboys sit in first place in the NFC East if the season were to end today, would be in the playoffs. Next, we got the Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jacoby Brissett for the Colts would be back this game. And then Nick Foles back for the Jaguars. Minshew Mania, we all know that. Minshew Mania, at least for the time being, is over. Colts beat the Jaguars 33-13, but this was not on the back of Jacoby Brissett. It was on the back of their defense and their running game. They had two 100-yard rushers in this game. Jonathan Williams and Marlon Mack both had over 100 yards for the Colts in this game. Again, the the rushing game for the Colts was great this game, and with this Colts victory, they sit at 6-4 with another loss If it would happen later on Sunday, they would sit tied for first place if the Houston Texans lost on Sunday. We'll get to that game in a little bit. But Indianapolis Colts get the win, and quite possibly they had the best celebration of the season from a team perspective. They had that keg stand celebration. If you didn't see it, I highly advise you to watch it. That was a great celebration. All the fun. Everyone was having fun. It was a great spectacle to watch. Colts get a victory, and they get the celebration victory of the week. But Nick Foles, Nick Foles for the Jaguars, 
didn't play bad at all. 33 for 47, 296 yards, two touchdowns, yeah, one interception, but this loss wasn't on him. If you if you want to blame any offensive player, and you shouldn't blame any offensive player, but blame the running back, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette, kind of in the same situation that Zeke, Gurley, all these great running backs are in, as when he gets to the point, he might hold out for some more money. Well, if you do that, don't bring up this game as one of your points of interest that you're trying to say, well, this is a reason why I should get paid. Eight rushes for 23 yards. Not impressive at all. Now, I get it. You only had eight opportunities to run the ball. But 23 yards and eight opportunities, that's less than three yards a carry. Yeah, the Jaguars were down early. I mean, they got a touchdown first on Nick Foles, but they got down after that early. So I understand why you're not rushing. But if you're one of the best running backs in the league, like Fournette is supposed to be, you've got to do better than this. This was not the game. Jaguars get the loss. Colts get the victory. Are now tied for first in the AFC South with the Houston Texans. Moving on, we have the Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Now, going into this game, we all know the Dolphins are not doing very well this season. And it looked fairly obvious that the Bills were going to win. Well, that's exactly what happened. Buffalo Bills, 37 to 20 over the Miami Dolphins now sit at 7 and 3, second in the AFC East to the New England Patriots, currently sit fifth in the AFC playoff picture. And Josh Allen didn't have a bad game whatsoever. 21 for 33, 256 yards, three touchdowns, added on 56 rushing yards, one touchdown from that. But John Brown, John Brown, the speedy receiver they got from Baltimore this season to come in had the game of the year for for the Browns. Nine receptions, 137 yards, two touchdowns. Now, you might just say, okay, well, it's just Miami. It doesn't matter. It's a divisional matchup. Divisional matchups are always tough no matter what. If it's not a tough divisional matchup, then you can say, well, hey, look at the team we were playing. But for the most part, divisional matchups are never a gimme win, any situation. So good win, by the Buffalo Bills, they increase their stock a little bit. Again, since it's not against one of the best teams in the league, not a huge increase in stock, but hey, any way they can do it to get wins, you play who's on your schedule. That's what the Bills are doing. The Bills are doing a good job of it right now. 7-3, and three, and their defense, their defense, a big reason for it. They held Miami to 23 rushing yards on 13 carries. That's less than two yards in attempt. That is scary good. And if Buffalo can keep this going, they should make the playoffs no problem. But we'll see like we'll see that next week because they won't be playing a Miami. They'll be playing a better team. But Buffalo gets the win. Currently sit at seven and three on the year. Next we get into the Vikings and the Broncos. If you were watching this game in the first half, even maybe early third quarter, it looked like the Broncos were carrying this game and there was no way the Vikings were going to get back into it. And you would be correct if you were thinking that in the first half. But the Vikings did come back. Down 20-0 at halftime, they came roaring back. Kirk Cousins, 29-35, for 319 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Now... Dalvin Cook brought his name in as a potential MVP candidate. 
this game might have taken him right out as quickly. 11 rushes, 26 yards, one touchdown. You got the touchdown, not bad. But 26 yards on 11 rushes, again, if you're an MVP candidate, you have to do better than that. You kind of force Cousins to have to throw, and luckily, Cousins is kind of inconsistent. So luckily, this was one of the days Cousins was right on point. Six incompletions all day, over 300 yards, three touchdowns. Great day for Kirk Cousins. He had his favorite receiver, Stefan Diggs, five receptions, 121 yards, and one touchdown. And then tight end Kyle Rudolph and wide receiver Irv Smith Jr. both added to that with one touchdown for the Vikings. Now for Denver, Brandon Allen, their quarterback, 17 for 39, 240 yards, one touchdown, one interception. One interception. This seemed to be the problem for the Broncos. They could not find the end zone. They had one passing touchdown and one rushing touchdown. But other than that, three field goals for the Broncos in this game. And they missed a field goal. So four field goal opportunities, three field goals. This is kind of what's been keeping Denver out of being a good team this year. They they still only have three wins on the year. And they could be a much better team. But they're failing to find the end zone in situations when they need it. That won't do it for them. They lost. Vikings move up 2-8-3. Still sit in second place to the Green Bay Packers in the NFC North who currently sit at 8-2. But, again, good resume booster, good way to get yourself into the playoffs. That's exactly what the Vikings did right there. Good victory for them. Next, we got the Saints and the Buccaneers. Saints bounce back from last week's loss over the Buccaneers to win 34-17. Drew Brees, 28-35, 228 yards, 3 touchdowns. Now, this does not seem like a Drew Brees game. Only 228 yards? Well, it didn't matter. Breeze did enough for his team to win. That's all that matters right now. Alvin Kamara, 13 carries, 71 yards. Helped him out on the ground. Good game for that. And then Jameis Winston, again, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the league. When he's on, he's really on. This was not one of those games. 313 yards, two touchdowns, not bad, four interceptions. Now, that's not going to get it done whatsoever. But then we go back to the Saints. Drew Brees, not one of his best teams, but when you have a receiver like Michael Thomas, it makes it all the easier. Michael Thomas playing like he is the best receiver in the game. He's proven that he wants to be the best receiver of the game, and I don't think it's doubted at all that he's at least top five. Within the top five, everyone has their own preference of who's first, but Michael Thomas, no doubt he's top five receiver. Eight receptions, 114 yards, one touchdown on the day. Saints move up to 8-2, and two, and even though he's no longer their starting quarterback with Drew Brees back, we have to give a lot of credit to Teddy Bridgewater being able to lead the Saints to where they are now with Drew Brees coming back. I mean, he was undefeated as a starter. He was undefeated as a starter. That's pretty impressive, and Saints are currently sitting where they are now in first place in the NFC South. Thanks to Teddy Bridgewater. So Saints get the victory, 34-17, sit at 8-2. Next, the Jets over the Redskins. This matchup was really the only matchup of the day that had no implications for the playoffs at all. These two teams aren't going to make the playoffs. So Jets beat the Redskins 34-17. Sam Darnold, good game. Redskins still sit at one win on the season. 
And the Jets now have their third win on the season. But that's... I'm not going to get into that game because, again, that game has no implications for the playoffs whatsoever. Now we move on to the Falcons and the Panthers. Falcons beat the Panthers 29-3 in a game that looked like the Falcons were who they were supposed to be this season. No one expected the Falcons to be this bad. They've always had a really good offense, but a suspect defense. And this game, they came alive. One, 29-3, and Matt Ryan, 21 for 31, 311 yards, one touchdown. Has a receiver now who was supposed to be one of the best in the game in Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones together should be one of the deadliest receiver combinations in the league. Up to this point, we really have not seen that from them. But Calvin Ridley, eight receptions, 143 yards, one touchdown this game. Could be a coming out party. He's been a very good receiver, but he hasn't been that great receiver that we've all expected him to be. Maybe this will be a coming out story for him. But Chris, Christian McCaffrey, he's still in the MVP conversation after this. If you blame him for this loss, I mean, I, I don't know. 70 rushing yards and 121 receiving yards. Almost 200 total yards. What more do you want the man to do? It's not his fault the team can't score. Kyle Allen, 31 for 50, 325 yards, zero touchdowns, but four interceptions. Again, there's nothing you can do at that point if you're Christian McCaffrey. You can only control what you're in charge of. This is why it's so tough to say that a running back will be MVP because he just doesn't control as much of the game as a quarterback does. Therefore, McCaffrey right now not looking too hot in the MVP race. Still had a very good game, but the Panthers got blown out. Panthers now sit at 5-5. Five and five. Falcons 3-7. and seven. This game could mean Carolina's out of the playoff race. And again, divisional matchup. Tough matchup for the Panthers, but it always hurts for a team who's not living up to expectations to lose to. So, Panthers, not a great game for you. You have to bounce back next week if you want a chance to make the playoffs. Right now, not looking too good. Next, we got the Ravens and the Houston Texans. Baltimore Ravens come into the game 7-2. Houston, 6-3. If Houston wins, they still have that AFC South title in their grasp. Baltimore wins, they get one step closer to overcoming New England and that top spot. Well, wasn't a close game at all. Baltimore won the game 41-7. If you want to blame the bad pass interference call in the first quarter for the whole game, go for it. DeAndre Hopkins on a fourth down was in the end zone. Watson threw it to him. Marlon Humphrey, clear pass interference, wasn't called. On the review, wasn't called to turn over on downs. Baltimore then went to miss a field goal after that, so wasn't as big of a momentum change as people thought, but the rest of the game, man, it wasn't close. Baltimore, after that first quarter, the first quarter, it was 0-0 after the quarter. After that, Lamar Jackson on point. 17 for 24, 224 yards, 4 touchdowns, add on 86 rush yards in that game. Baltimore rushing offense in general, 263 yards. And the Houston Texans, they had a good streak of not allowing a 100-yard rusher for second longest current streak in the NFL, and that's gone. Gus Edwards, 112 rushing yards, one touchdown for the day. Deshaun Watson, everyone's deserving of a bad game. This was Watson's bad game. There's no other way around it. He did not play good at all. First drive of the game, he holds the ball way too long, gets sacked by Matthew Judon, and fumbles the ball. One thing Watson was doing, you can blame his offensive line for the number of sacks that was allowed in the game against Baltimore, but one thing I noticed in this game, Deshaun Watson tries to make a play out of anything, 
and because of that, he holds the ball too long. This is exactly what he did this game. He held the ball way too long against the Ravens, tried to make plays out of something that weren't there, get rid of the ball if that's that situation. Deshaun Watson, 18 for 29, 169 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, one forced fumble. Ravens get the victory. Potential MVP on the Ravens this season. Lamar Jackson, great game once again. If you just look at his passing stats, it might not be that impressive, but his accuracy has improved so much this season. The Ravens are one of the best teams this season, currently sit second in the AFC, and it's hard to go against them. Houston, 6-4, and four, tied for first place in the AFC South, but they've lost to the Indianapolis Colts already. They'll have to get a victory on them if they're tied at the end of the season to have a tiebreaker opportunity. As of right now, bad loss for Houston because it wasn't just a loss. They got demolished by the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens are looking like one of the, if not the best team in the NFL right now. So not terrible for Houston, but not good for Houston whatsoever. Now we got the four o'clock games in the NFL. We're starting off with the 49ers and the Cardinals. Divisional matchup two weeks ago, the Cardinals almost upset the 49ers. Could they do it this game? No, they couldn't. 49ers, 36. Cardinals, 26. Jimmy Garoppolo, 34 for 45. 424 yards, 4 touchdowns, 1 interceptions. Kyler Murray, 24 for 33. 150 yards, 2 touchdowns. Adds on to that 67 rushing yards and 1 one rushing touchdown. Now, for San Francisco, Debo Samuel, 134 receiving yards. He was Garoppolo's favorite receiver this game. Garoppolo especially against the divisional matchups, has turned a corner in his offensive game. People say, well, the defense is the reason they're winning these games. No, for the past couple games, it's been Garoppolo is the reason you're winning these games. The defense is still very good. Don't get me wrong there. But Jimmy Garoppolo playing at another level right now, and right now he's the reason you're winning these games. They sit at 9-1, and one, lead the NFC West, and lead the whole NFC in the win column. Cardinals, two fumbles on their last two possessions. Had a chance to win the game, but down 26-30 on their last possession. Already after possession where they fumbled it, they fumble, give up a touchdown to end the game. Lost 36-30. Cardinals coming off of last season and having a number one quarterback this season in Kyler Murray. Not bad at all, but they're not quite there yet. Understandably so. In a couple years, it looks like they can be a very dangerous team, though. They're just not quite there yet. So it'll be interesting to see how the Cardinals come back from this game and come back from the season overall. But the San Francisco 49ers playing great right now. They they win this game, sit at 9-1. and one. Now we go to a game where the first team in the NFL season is eliminated from the playoffs. And if you guessed the Cincinnati Bengals before the season, well, you're right. Oakland Raiders win 17-10 over the winless Cincinnati Bengals. Derek Carr, 25 for 29, 292 yards, one touchdown. Ryan Finley, 13 for 31, 115 yards, one interceptions. Now, Bengals, they did at least have the help of Joe Mixon. 15 carries, 86 rushing yards, one touchdown, but it wasn't enough for the Raiders. Josh Jacobs helped out Derek Carr by adding 23 carries, 112 rushing yards for the Raiders in this victory. Raiders currently sit at 6-4, second in the AFC West. They have a chance, honestly, to overtake the Chiefs as the number one team. Chiefs sit at 7-4, and four, so they, they legitimately have a shot. 
Will it happen? I don't know. But they still play each other one more time this season. So anything could happen right now. Raiders are on a good roll. Once again, Bengals eliminated from playoff contention. First team in the NFL. Next, we got the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles. Potential game of the week right here. Matchup from the Super Bowl last season. How would this one turn out? Well, not that great. Honestly, it it was an intriguing game all game long, but it wasn't an all-offensive showout like we all expected. Patriots end up winning 17-10. Tom Brady, we all know Patriots offense hasn't been that great this season. 26 for 47, 216 passing yards. Carson Wentz, 20 for 40, 214 passing yards, two touchdown passes. Now, Patriots defense put this game on the back for their team because their offense just wasn't getting it done. They had to hold the Eagles offense, and that's exactly what they did. They move on to 9-1. and After that loss two weeks ago to Baltimore, we all knew this defense will bounce back and bounce back in a big way. That's what they did, beating the Philadelphia Eagles. They win the game 17-10, move to 9-1. and First place in the AFC. Now, on to the Sunday night matchup, Rams versus Bears. There were three potential game of the week, game of the possible seasons in this weekend. Ravens, Texans, Patriots, Eagles, Rams, Bears, and at least to me, they all kind of underwhelmed. This one did not live up to the hype whatsoever. Rams beat the Bears 17-7. But Mitch Trubisky and Jared Goff, they're just not looking good this season. They're not looking like they were. Jared Goff more so. He's really not looking like he was. Mitch Trubisky never really showed that he was a great quarterback because he's always had defense. But Jared Goff, from last season to this season, there's been a huge regression. And it's just not good for them. But Todd Gurley did come back this game. Gurley showed like he was last season for most of the year. 97 rushing yards, one touchdown. But for the game... Trubisky, 24 for 43, 190 yards, one touchdown, one interception. And Jared Goff, 11 for 18, 173 yards. Again, these quarterbacks just aren't looking like they were last season. And this could end up hurting both teams in the long run. The Bears already kind of looks like they're out of the playoff picture. But the Rams still sit in a good position for it. The Rams are 6-4 now. Third place in the NFC West. But if they keep this winning streak up, They have a shot to make the playoffs as it sits right now. So, Jared Goff, you have to start playing better, but good team win for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, we got the Monday night matchup. I mentioned it a little bit in my intro. Chiefs and Chargers. Chiefs ended up beating the Chargers 24-17. Chiefs moved to 7-4 on the season. Phillip Rivers, 28 for 52, 353 yards, one touchdown, Four interceptions. Melvin Gordon, once again, he was another one. Held out for a contract. You need me to win games. And, yeah, since he's come back, they haven't needed him to win games at all because they haven't won games with him. 14 rushes for 69 yards. Not terrible numbers, but Chargers are not the team everyone expected them to be this season. After they beat the Ravens last year in the AFC playoffs, it, it was thought, wow, this Chargers team is really dangerous. And yeah, the Chiefs are probably going to run the division. But the Chargers can realistically be wild card material. And this year, they're not at all. But their defense wasn't bad this game. They held Patrick Mahomes to possibly his most pedestrian game this season, but possibly in his career. Mahomes, 19 for 32, 182 yards, one touchdown, 
one interception. I'm sorry, you're holding Patrick Mahomes to 182 yards and you lose? Yeah, that's the kind of season the Chargers are having right now. So, not good for them. Chiefs get the victory. Sit at 7-4 and four going into their bye week. Good for the Chiefs. Now let's look in how the playoffs currently sit in the AFC. The one seed at 9-1, and one, the New England Patriots. At the two seed at 8-2, the Baltimore Ravens. Those two teams would be getting a bye week if the playoffs were to start today. The Kansas City Chiefs. Currently the number three seed, seven and four. At fourth place, tied in the AFC South, but with the tiebreaker as of right now, since they have a victory head-to-head, the Indianapolis Colts at six and four. In fifth place, the first wildcard team, the Buffalo Bills at seven and three. And rounding off the AFC at six and four, the Houston Texans. So if the playoffs were to start today, that's how the AFC would look. Let's see how the NFC would look. In first place, at 9-1, the San Francisco 49ers. In second place, at 8-2, the Green Bay Packers, because they have a better conference record over the New Orleans Saints, who sit in third place, also at 8-2. In fourth place, after that victory over the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys at 6-4. and four. And then in the two wild card positions, the Seattle Seahawks at 8-2 and, and the Minnesota Vikings at 8-3. and three. That's currently how the playoffs are looking. Still six more weeks in the NFL season. A lot of time for things to change. We'll see how it goes from now on. Those are just my thoughts on this week as a whole. Tomorrow, I will be back with you for my award predictions for this NFL season if they were to stop today because there's a lot of them. So, I'll be back with you tomorrow for the 10th inning. Nick O'Dwyer, see ya.